0: Thank you for your glory, Lord. Yes. For you are worthy. You have all the majesty, Lord God. Yes, Nothing compares to you, Heavenly yes, Father God. Yes. We just exalt you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for, yes. for your grace. Thank you for thank you, your wonder working power, Lord yes, God. Thank yes. you for your anointing, oh Heavenly Father God. Thank you yes, for the gift of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, Lord. Lord the one Lord called alongside Jesus. to help, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord for allowing us to be here this day, oh Heavenly Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I know it's easy, Lord, that we, in our human minds, in our flesh, we, 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 we could take it for granted that we see another day, Lord God. But Lord God, we can't take it for granted, Lord God. So we just need to just praise you, Lord God, as soon as we wake up and open up our eyes, Lord God. For I mentioned many a times before, there were people who didn't wake up, Lord God. But you allowed us to wake up to see another day, Lord God, which means you still have plans and purposes yeah. for each and every one of us, Lord God. You didn't just wake us up just to go through the motions of life, O Heavenly Father, God, to go to our jobs. No, you woke us up for a reason, Lord God, for we are part of your body, your kingdom, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Hallelujah, Lord God. So we pray, Father God, that Lord God, even as we've been seeing in Luke, Lord God, and even in this upcoming week, Lord God, that we will go out, Lord God, to preach the kingdom of God, O Heavenly Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, to to every city to where you want to go, Lord, and we know that you want to go and touch the hearts of many, O Heavenly Father God, but many hearts are wax cold, Lord God, but we pray even now, Father God, for those that have been burdened down with hurts and pains and unforgiveness, Lord God. We ask that you touch them, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Father God. We pray, Lord God, for healing for them, O Heavenly Father God. We pray for restoration, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Father God. And I pray for restoration for each and every person in here, Lord God, under the sound of my voice, O Heavenly Father God. Even those that may listen on the YouTube or the podcast, O Heavenly Father God, we just thank you for your grace. Thank you for your goodness lord God thank you for for breathing life in us Lord hallelujah Lord God we just praise you Lord God. we just exalt you and we thank you in Jesus name we do pray amen amen, amen. 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 hallelujah well welcome everybody uh yeah. keep byron and pray just text me um you know I was going to do the uh <laughs> message the, the the final part of uh I am the shepherd but um and I mentioned to my wife, I was contemplating yesterday in reference to uh, actually sharing my testimony, but um, I was like, ah, no. Nah. And then I woke up this morning, started reading 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and, uh, you know, just reading and, and about Paul and, and what he went through. And, um, first I want to share this uh, Psalm seventy-three, twenty-eight says but it is good for me to draw near to God I have put my trust in the Lord that I may that I may declare all your works meaning declaring the works of the Lord and you know it, it's not that I didn't want to share it I'll be honest I don't know what to share because I don't know know what was done right but you know and I reflected reading Paul in Second Corinthians in chapter 10, 11, and 12. Um, and I'll read Second uh, uh, Corinthians 10, 12. You can turn it, but I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. I oh, see right here, y'all turning. <laughs> so I'll wait. But you know, anytime we give a testimony, it has to be the truth. Right. We can't over exaggerate. And, um, you know, it seems, you know, throughout being in churches, a lot of times we, we like to add on to things. But even if the testimony is true, if we over exaggerate, that's a lie. God doesn't need us to over exaggerate anything. Right. And, I, and I've said that before. So, you know, we can kind of tone things down, but we should never over exaggerate. It should be what God did. Amen. Yeah, so Second uh, Corinthians 10, 12. New Living Translation says this, Oh, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are, but they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as a standard of measurement. How ignorant. You know, we, we can't give testimony. Uh, when we give a testimony, it should be for the glory of God. Amen. Right? We don't do it to compare and and it seems like that's almost human nature in a church. Right? We We like we always got to one up, and maybe it's not always one upping, but sometimes we feel like we have to take that extra step because somebody else gave a testimony, and uh, you know, and I I reflected there was an old, uh, well, well, I guess it is old, um, from the nineties, and um, it was a it was a Christian rapper, and he's given his testimony in it, and then prior to when it when it's starting the song. There's a prelude of somebody giving testimony how God delivered him from gang activity, drugs, and robbing people. And he says in a song, well, I don't have a testimony like that. Right? But his testimony was that his parents raised him up on Billy Graham and, and Oswald Chambers and, and things like that. So he wasn't in that lifestyle. And that's what he was uh, rapping about. Um, So 2 Corinthians 10, 17, 18 says this. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. Right? So when we when we testify, you know, it should be to, to the glory of God. God gets the glory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anything I say, if I mention me, it's, it's really God. Right? Um, so like I said, I don't know where I was going to go with this. So I just let it fly. I wrote down, uh, well, I typed up a couple things so I could kind of stay on point. So, you know, as you all know, I had diagnosed with cancer. So this all happened about last year. And I don't know what month, about May, June, July, or May or June. I guess it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, initially I started feeling pain uh, right in my midsection. And... I can't say because the doctors asked me how long. I said, I don't know, but it was, it's was it been there for a while. I just ignored it. I, I did what most men do, right? I just ignored it, and I was getting ready to go to my physical probably about a week prior to me going to my uh, annual physical, and uh, Marsha said, well, why don't you let the doctor know? Because I had just let her know, and um, I said, okay. So I let him know and then I'm describing things to him and he said, Well, it's not a heart attack or a stroke or anything like that. He said, Well, let's just get some x-rays. All right, I said, Okay. So we get the x-rays, the x-rays come back, <clears throat> and my wife doesn't like when I do it, but I go on and read the reports anyway before I even talk to the doctors. <laughs> so um and I I did that and then I saw that it was like uh Um, they said possible malignancy, right? I said, okay. And then uh, the doctor called me the primary care and then I could sense the stress and anxiety in his voice when he's talking to me. And then he's saying at the same time, he's like, well, I don't think it's cancer, but, you know, I'm going to refer you to so-and-so. I I said, okay. Okay. And then he's getting off the phone with me quick to, I guess, maybe to avoid questions, I guess. I don't know. But I didn't really have anything because I didn't know what to ask. Right? So, Um, long story short, uh, they, uh, they do a scan and then they determine that it is cancer. Well, I don't know what came first, the biopsy or the scan. Um, but anyway, when they did the biopsy, they, they, they told me that it was just going to be a bee sting because they stuck me in my chest. right? I said, okay, but it was a beast thing times seven. <laughs> they said, and they described it to me. You're going to hear a pop and blah, blah, blah. So they numb me up a little bit, but they just numb up the outside. The inside, I can still feel it. <laughs> so uh you hear the pop, you hear everything. And then it's like, okay, then they realize, well, they get a call saying they got to get extra tubes. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Right. So anyway, lo and behold, we get that. And then, um. It eventually comes back that it is diagnosed as cancer, right? So I'm like, okay, well, now what's next?" And then um, they start talking about getting chemo, and because the cancer that I had was is a rare cancer, right? And I know it came from my time in Iraq, so there's not a, there wasn't a lot of research on it, right? There was people that, that had been diagnosed with it, but not enough to say definitive on this is how we do things and so on. Right, and I did my own research, and I saw that <laughs> she's shaking her head because she don't like when I do that. <laughs> I need to do the doctors, <laughs> but uh and I, when I do, when I say I do my research, I don't get it from Wikipedia. All right, <laughs> All right I was an intelligence analyst, so I, I know what websites to look for. But anyway, um I digress. So. uh once they start talking, they say, well, the best way to do this is to do chemo and radiation together, right? And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how that's going to be. I know that's going to be a lot, and tear on the body and things like that. So, well, let me back to it. Initially, they were setting me up to go see a thoracic surgeon. And I guess once he looked at the scans, he realized that they couldn't do it because where the mask was sitting at, it was too close to my heart and everything so and i i was at that's when i was in school in florida and i'll be honest even when i was in class sitting there it's like it was getting worse and worse and worse and um i started looking on my phone figure I went to the nearest hospital it is just in case i may have to go and uh but i don't go um for some reason it only bothered me when i was in class <laughs> but <laughs> but um so moving forward we start talking about. I meet with the uh, oncologist, and then I meet with the radiation doctor. And you know, I was comfortable with the oncologist. I wasn't comfortable with the radiation doctor. Um, so at this point, I said, "Well, I'm gonna get a second opinion." So I got a second and third opinion. Almost got a fourth opinion, but I figured since the second and third opinion matched up, no sense on getting the fourth opinion. So um, prior to getting the second opinion, we. I did my first round of chemo right so usually when you get your first set of chemo it's like you know you feel bloated and full but i'm like okay this ain't bad but the week later that's when that's when it kicks in and, and that's where you start feeling uh all the side effects and everybody gets hit with side effects differently right so i meet with an oncologist at vcu and another oncologist at a private facility and then they're basically telling me they're gonna do the same thing, right? And I said, okay, well, I guess I might as well just stick with the VA. I said, however, um, I need to find out more about this radiation. Uh, So I talked to a radiation oncologist at VCU and I'm very comfortable with her. And then she tells me she trained that person and basically they're gonna do the same thing. So she said, but you know, it's up to you. If you feel comfortable coming here, that's fine. But if you wanna do it there, that's fine, you know, Um, It's up to you." And I said, okay, well, we'll see. And I think at that time, prior to me starting the radiation, they did another scan, which ended up being like a month later, and it showed that the mass had shrunk some. right? So when I, I think at that point, that's when I met with the radiation oncologist at VCU, but they told me they would give me the same dosage. And I said, okay. And then once I met with the other radiation oncologist, the one I wasn't comfortable with, he said, no. I. I'm gonna remeasure it and give you less. I said, Okay, I think I might go with him. <laughs> so, lo and behold, you know, they start discussing all the side effects with taking having chemo and radiation radiation had to go every day. I had to go 30 days straight. Well, Monday through Friday, 30 days straight. So they said, You're gonna feel this, this, and it's you know, when you go into these places, you start to see people, you're like, they look down, they look weak. And i'm like well shoot i guess i'm not that bad when i'm looking at them but once you get to like day 20 of radiation you start to look like that right and it got to the point where because i you know literally one through fifth day one through probably 17 of radiation i felt fine you know didn't feel nothing i just got tired of going to the hospital every day right but um but I wasn't in there long. I was probably in there about thirty minutes because they said just come right at your time. We're gonna get you in, and then you'll be done. And lo and behold, that's usually what happened. Um, so I, I, I do the do the radiation, and then, like I said, about day twenty, that's what I'm start to drag and going in there. It's like I don't even want to smell the hospital, and I hated hospitals anyway, right? Um, but I gotta go do it I gotta keep doing it, and I was always happy when the holiday came out because that means I didn't have to go for treatment <laughs> but um so I'm doing the chemo and radiation, and then I finished thirty days and then they plan for another scan right, and they do the scan, and I guess eventually it comes back that um the mass oh so they tell and literally i I'm I'm literally at peace, right, until the person comes, actually, there was a, I don't know what she was, a nurse or something, she was, she was attacked, so she comes in and she says, you know, something about, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember all what she said, she's talking about, you know, I don't know why people uh are concerned about doctors, God's given us doctors, right, and it's given me a whole new perspective on that, And uh, and sometimes I ask God why? But it's given me a whole new perspective on things in life. Because sometimes we can try to encourage people and we say things to people. And, you know, truly sometimes our heart is in the right place. But sometimes they may not be ready to hear that encouragement. Uh, I understood what, what, what that's like, right? Because trust me, me and Marsha had some disagreements sometimes because she wanted to tell me something. I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now right, because based on how I was feeling, right, and, and, and it's just a true fact, but now I know why people will feel that way, and I can even go back to, and again, I didn't prepare this, like I said, so even when I got my port placed in me, they, uh, they, I thought they were going to put me to sleep, but they said, no, nah. once the day of the surgery said, no, we're not going to put you to sleep, we're just going to numb you up. They say, oh, you'll be fine. You know, we get elderly people that do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so they just say, they numb me up. They numb me up. But then they put in, the, you know, so I'm awake while they're doing this. And I'm feeling the tugging and the pulling. And I'm like, okay. And they's like, well, let me know if you feel pain. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But I wasn't really thinking this. But once I got done, I told Marsha, and I think I told a couple of coworkers, I said, now nah, I can understand why people would just give up and say, I'm ready to go, right? Because there's so much wear and tear on your body, right? There's just so much, and, you know, the average person can't understand that. And it's like, so, when they, all right, so now going back to the day of surgery, I talked about the tech. So... I guess it was the neurology people that came through. The guy was talking, yeah. So I'm I'm fine until he starts talking, right? Then you know anxiety goes up a little bit, and then uh, then I think he said I think he saw it on the thing, and then said something about I I, I guess I ought to stop talking or change the subject, right? Um, because in my mind I had it. I'm like okay, I'm good, and I think I even told my aunt. I said well. I'm going to wake up one way or the other. I'm going to wake up in God's presence. I'm going to wake up here. Right? And when I told her that, I, I meant it. Right? So, um, lo and behold, we had the surgery nine hours. Nine hours of surgery. Um, and yes, I'm going to sleep during this time. <laughs> right? So, once they cut me open, they found out that the cancer had actually spread to my heart. Right? And so, if I had told them to wait and push it back, now, I probably wouldn't be standing here. Yeah. So, um, so it was definitely God why I had that feeling not to tell him to wait. Cause in my head, I was definitely going to tell him, let's push it back. Cause, you know, I feel good. So as soon as they cut me open, they saw it. And, and like I said, it's hard to explain cause I don't know everything that happened per se. But I tell people sometimes when they ask me, I, I just tell people it was open heart surgery, but it was a lot more than that. Um, because they had to reconstruct my superior vena cava, they did the heart, they removed part of my right lung, they had to uh, was it Plicate the uh, right diaphragm because th- the cancer had ate up pretty much my right diaphragm, so it wasn't working anymore. Um, what else? There was a couple other things as well, but I can't remember it all. Um, so lo and behold, they, they I, I'm actually out, and then. I think the heart surgeon came out. So there was a thoracic surgeon in there, a heart surgeon, and there was another surgeon. So the thoracic surgeon and the heart surgeon did the surgery together. So it was two surgeons in there. Well, three, but two of them. I guess the third one's for backup. I don't know. But I didn't realize the third one was in there until I saw my, my, my record. So Marsha's in the waiting room with my dad, and they're waiting, and then the, I guess it was the heart surgeon that came out and told her that I was bleeding out. Right? So I'm literally... I'm. I'm I guess I'm bleeding out. Mind you, I'm asleep, so I don't know. I'm knocked out. But that's when they decided to put me on the bypass machine and do all. And they had planned, and they went over the plan. You know, they had planned for literally 10 out of 10 things, and they had to use about 9 out of 10 things, right, uh, or maybe 8 out of 10 things. The, the last thing was to freeze my body if it got that bad. Um, but they didn't have to do that. So lo and behold, um, you know, they bring me out, and I guess, Mar say I'm not waking up, um, and wish I could say I had a vision or something, but I didn't. So I'm just out. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm just out. And I think I told y'all before where, uh, you know, I'm in a room and then they're standing around and then I open my eyes, but they don't see me, but I hear them talking, and and it's like okay. Then it dawns on me, says okay, I'm not dead. I'm alive because this is definitely not heaven. <laughs> <laughs> right, so now I'm like, okay, so I'm here, so I can close my eyes again. <laughs> and then, uh, so eventually I wake up, and then I think it was the next day, usually the next day or two days later, I pretty much had a TIA, which was a mini stroke in the hospital, right? So, uh, so I, I had that, and then, uh, eventually. You know the thoracic surgeons coming. to me he said look you can stay here as long as you want to it's up to you blah 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 so right. i'm like okay well i said said to myself i'll stay one more day and then um another doctor came in that morning and she was kind of rude she's like well look mr wickfall it doesn't make sense the same thing whatever you're concerned about you don't be concerned about it here so you might as well just go home I said, okay, I I said, okay, I'll just go home, right, and and it's funny, because God made sure that I was going home, because I ended up getting the worst nursing care ever on that last day, (laughs) when I say, yeah, the worst, worst nurse ever, yeah, so it's the day for me to check out, and Marsha, Marsha went to work, and, because she had stayed in the hospital with me all the days, and then, uh, I'm ringing the bell, because I need help to get dressed. Okay, I'll be right there. Literally 30 minutes go by. Nothing. Right? (laughs) And then I I ring it again. Okay, I'll be right there. Nothing. Right? And then come to find out once they wheel me out. No. So, you know, vcu has got an area where they discharge you at, you know, in the open, you you know, with a valet parking at. She tells me to have my my ride, because I had a coworker come to pick me up to meet. We'll meet him in the garage. I'm like, the garage? That doesn't make sense. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know how small the garage is. right? So I said, all right. So I call him, and then he says the same thing. I, I said, I know. I said, but that's what they telling me. So anyway, they call a the portal because I have so many bags there. And then um <laughs> portal went rolling me down. He said, oh, once I figured out who called me, I, I knew what the problem was. Cause he said that's the worst nurse in the hospital. He said let me tell you when you were calling her She was probably down to Chick-fil-a getting fool, Yeah <laughs> He said this is not the first time she's done that." but and he said why are we going to the third? I said that's what she told me. He said that don't make no sense. I said I know So lo and behold I finally go and then I'm out and I'm recuperating at home and then uh, I guess you know, pretty much a couple of months go by, and then I'm like, okay, I, I can't stay at home no more. I, I said, I need I need to go to work. And so I, I go to work against my wife's wishes and pretty much probably the doctor's wishes and everything, you know. And then I probably worked, and I told the doctor I was only going to work a few days here and there. and That didn't happen, because the first two weeks I ended up working every day. <laughs> and I ended up feeling it, because in my head I'm like, I can keep going but the body's telling me no, right? So, lo and behold, you know, I, I say, all right, I'm gonna start taking a, a day and a half off this week. And then not last week, but maybe the week before, or two weeks ago, I took a full week off cause I just had to. Um, so I go back to work that Monday. I'm like refreshed, I'm good. And I'm saying, okay, I wonder how I'm gonna feel at the end of the week. Once I get to the end of the week, I'm like, cause I worked a full week. And once I get to the end of the week, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm feeling it now. And low. so anyway, so there's another appointment that we were waiting for a test to come back to see whether or not, you know, the cancer was still there or gone because there was a chance that there was a small amount of cancer there. And I found that out again by going through my notes myself, right, because I found out they discussed my case at the tumor board and then uh, <laughs> I let Marsha read it and she's concerned. I'm like, no, nah. I said, I don't think this is me. I said, I think that he made a mistake. I said, cause they didn't do all this. And then all behold, once I read my VCU record, it was me <laughs> discussing. So I meet with the oncologist and then he tells me, he says, well, look, there's a discrepancy. We'll have to reschedule. I said, okay. He says, uh, the thoracic surgeon is saying one thing, but the VA doctors are saying something else. And I'm like, well, I'm an error on the side of the person that actually did the surgery that would know, right? But that's me. I, you know, the the hospital said otherwise. So they uh, they send it out for a test, and then we were supposed to meet like two weeks later. Then he calls me up, says, "Hey, they didn't discuss your case," and so everything was like prolong, 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 right? So it's almost like the enemy wanted me to get worried, right? So. Long story short, I eventually meet with the oncologist and uh, he tells me that there's no more cancer in my body, there's nothing detected in my body, right? So, you know, I know that's God and through the process, you know, it was God keeping me because, and I mentioned before, cause we prayed for a couple people that were also going through cancer, you know, at my job and things like that. And literally we were going in opposite directions, right? I'm going to work. And people were like, son, you don't even look sick. You know, um, matter of fact, they know I look so healthy. One of my supervisors scheduled me to work some extra assignment, but the lieutenant saw it and, and got me off of it. But <laughs> it is, um, and once I see other people, they were literally dragging, right? And then, you know, even after the surgery, you know, I'm thankful because God gave me the strength, and, and it's by His grace I can go on. And uh, and it's by His grace that I'm able to talk to other people because I can relate. You know, and it's like I said, you know, we 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 put doctors and medical people in the bad light, but you know, it doesn't mean that they're not bad doctors. But guess what? There's bad preachers, bad social workers, bad teachers. You know, but for the most part, most doctors are good, right? And throughout this, and I just different. Uh, units, I probably was about, been to about eight different units, talking to eight different doctors, right, um, either doctors or nurse practitioners, and um, and I guess in total it was probably in the double digits, as many people I've talked to from the beginning, you know, until the end, so, and I thought even after they told me, you know, because we had discussed what would be next if there was no cancer found, and they had discussed about doing chemo still, I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I handled it the first time, but I really don't want to do it. But he said, no, there'll be no chemo. They're just going to do scans instead. So uh, every three months. So, um, you know, I still get fatigued, but that's because I have uh, fluid in me, my lungs. And that's just from the surgery, right? So like Wednesday, it wasn't because I was sick, sick, like a cold, but, you know, sometimes I feel lightheaded and things like that. Like literally, after last service last Saturday, I felt drained, right. And then my doctor told me, said, you know what, you might be doing too much, right? Because I am working, pastoring the church, and then I also have my polygraph business too. <laughs> that too. So I got to balance everything out. To say, but you know, and I mentioned this along the way. It it showed me the realness certain people, right, good and bad, right, because people in the Lord who who I thought would be there to support me, nowhere to be found. And I'll be honest, it was after surgery, somebody talked to him, it was like all he wanted to do was be more concerned about, can I preach at your church while you're out, right, that, that's what I felt. That it was right, and I I not give them no information. And it, it's funny because so many people want information, and I ain't put it out. And it's like sometimes they they must forget what I do for a living, right? I get the information out of people. You're not going. I know when you're trying to get information out of me, right? I I listen to people's words quite a bit, right? So it showed me, you know, who you know who truly care, because. When I hear people say "I love you," now it it it, it's, it rings different, right? Don't just tell me, show me, right? Show me, Lily, uh, pastoral friends, people that I served up under, who I thought would be there, nowhere to be found, right? And that's okay because God always brought somebody else. And and, and what I learned is, I know why Jesus hung out with sinners, right? Because It was the unsaved that kept checking on me. It was the unsaved that was visiting me. It was the unsaved that took collections for me, right? I didn't ask for, actually, before before the surgery, because even, like I said, there was other people at my job. They were doing fundraisers for them. I said, no, I don't want that. I don't need that. Y'all give everything to them, right? Because prayerfully, thank God, all my bills were taken care of. And literally... I feel for those that have to pay for these types of surgeries, because my surgery literally was almost 400000 And the thing about it is they gave me the bill on the day of the surgery. <laughs> the day of the, I said, what sense does this make, right? But I didn't care because I knew the government was paying for it, right? But it's, it's like, that makes no sense why you would give it. But anyway, long story short. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, other people that were going through, they had to pay for the, you know, they, they they weren't afforded the luxury of getting the scans, pay for it. They get one scan, then they have to pay thousands of dollars to get the other ones, right? So, actually, even going through all that, I had more money coming into me because I had Aflac. <laughs> and, you know, the funny part is, I almost canceled it. I said, well, because all my life I've been healthy. All my life I've been healthy. Didn't have to worry about anything. Didn't go to the doctors, <laughs> And I was gonna cancel it, but my coworker said, No, nah, don't don't cancel it, don't cancel it. You just never know. And he said, Well, is cancer running your family? Blah blah, blah. I said no. I said my wife's side, not me. So I kept it. And lo and behold, Lily. That money was coming to us. <laughs> right? But um yeah. So you know, we we have to be intentional. And one of the things, one of the reasons why I didn't want my wife to share a lot of things because people feel sorry for you. I didn't want to talk to nobody that felt sorry for me, right? Because in my heart, in my mind, I was literally good, right? I, I was good, right? Because sometimes people could say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. It doesn't work like that, right? Because I know, for years, I know that people say that they're going to pray and some people are not going to pray. Some people are going to pray. Some people are not going to pray. That That's just the way the cookie, the ball bounces, not the cookie cookies don't bounce so you know um, but yeah because throughout the years I've known people that have had cancer I visited them I took them to their appointments right some extremely healthy right um, ate good Whitney sweets candy night and a lot of times it was rare cancer and some of them weren't even in the military right so we we talked and we were like me and my wife we talked and she was reminding me, say, you know, you took care of so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And I said, yeah, yeah. And sometimes I forgot, right? <laughs> because it was just the right thing to do, right? It was the right thing to do. So even when you asked me to talk to, uh, you know, who, right? I said, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll do it, you know. And I've talked to people who I haven't met, and we just encourage. And, it, you know, it's funny because it's like, well, I'm like, well, I want to tell them the news, but it's like they going in an opposite direction, so I don't know how they may take it. Right. And one's a believer. And it's like, man, but you know, he praised God with me. He praised God with me. Right? So it encouraged him and you know, because when you when you're dealing with people who have cancer, so is one it's like a roller coaster. You have your peaks and you have your valleys. It's like you waiting for the next thing to get the wool, the rug pulled up from under you. Like all right, what's next? What's next? I mean literally when I was getting the chemo, I had to go to the ER a few times and I hate I hate well like I said, I hate the hospitals, I hate the ER even more. Cuz it's almost like they make you wait just because so you don't come back. <laughs> and it is it's like and it doesn't matter what ER it was cuz they told me I can go to any ER I want. They'll take care of it. And I'm like, "Man." But yeah, so long story short, you know, There's no evidence of cancer in my body, like I mentioned earlier. You know, um, thank God for his grace, you know. And and it's like Paul, right? It's like you're not trying to be boastful, you know, because God is good. You want to testify of what he did, but Paul did it in humility. And and it's like, and like I said, I know what took place with Miracle Lily because I I probably should have died. I probably should have died. And God's given me the grace to even even doing the treatments to still go into work and still function normally. And like I said, people were like you don't even look sick. And I said, "Well, praise God. It 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 it's God. It, it's God." And you know, I don't know why some people go in one direction, some people go in the other. You know, maybe we get that in heaven, maybe not. I don't know, but I know what God brought me through. And I'm here to say that I'm here today because of God, right? And and through it all, like the song says, I learned to trust in Jesus, Amen. right? Because it, it's like, I mean, look, it's amazing sometimes what people say to you. So there's one quick story. So I'm at work, and they, one of my supervisors collected my equipment. I'm like, well, I didn't have to do all this last time when I had a shoulder surgery. Why am I doing all this now? And this is what they said, well maybe because they don't think you're gonna make it. Literally, right? So sometimes people don't know what they're saying, right? But and, and I just ignored it and I ain't gone because I knew ultimately God is in control. Right. Mm-hmm. They may not know, but I know God is in control. And literally those who know at work who know my walk and see they can see what God did. Right? They they may have questions about well, why this one why you know because literally I can count on my fingers just in the last 10 years how many people at the job has died from cancer, right? And, but God spared me and He spared me for a reason and it it gives me you know,
1: what exactly that reason is
0: I don't fully know yet, you know, maybe it's to help other people that are going through um, because a lot of people can't relate Um, like I said when I talked to somebody else, he said, well, it's different talking to you because you know what I'm feeling. You know, what, and I could describe everything. And literally when I, even when my blood count was low and they had to give me uh, shots to, to get my white blood cells, I mean, literally I felt like I was 100 years old. That's, and I think I came to Bible study that night. And, um, you know, but I just kept pressing on, right? It, it wasn't every day I felt like Superman because I didn't. And I I tell people, they was like, you know, you look good. And I said, well, I may look good, but I don't feel good, per se, you know. But, yeah, but that's my testimony. Did I miss anything?
1: (laughs) Probably the the stroke was probably the hardest thing, the the mini-stroke. So um, that that was hard. So um, after he came out of surgery, and the reason (coughs) they couldn't close him up was because he had had radiation, and so they yeah. they couldn't close that up, and so they came out and touched me and put their hand on, and said we can't close him up. And my father-in-law, uh, really not a believer, and um, I told him I, I need to pray, I need to go pray. I'm not ready for this, God. I'm not ready for this. <laughs> you got to close him up. And so I just started praying, and then um, they came back out and gave me a thumbs up. Um, they allowed me to pray with them. Uh, doctors did and they were just so nice they were like you know right there for me and like you said they were talking rat to me It was like he was in the room but they weren't talking to him <laughs> they were just giving me you know complete attention and, and really working with me they gave me a picture of his heart they when they opened him up I wanted a picture of the cancer and I said give me a picture of the cancer and they were like oh, we can't do that for you Marsha we can't get that picture but we had to send it down to the pathology lab, so it's gone. And I I was joking with everybody i give you 20 bucks if you go get a picture of it. Because I wanted to see, because this is so rare, a cancer that is going around a person's heart. And it was in the uh, thymus area, and it was in the right um, uh, bottom lobe there. And it was just like, and, the, and so I worked with them because I kind of knew what was going on. But everything was good, and then... Um, once they got him and he was intubated, he wasn't really moving and the kids were there and then, you know, he wasn't waking up. So that wasn't good. And then when he did wake up and they tried to turn him, the the um, the um right side, I think it was, just went. And I watched him stroke in front of me and I just, get help, get help. Because you know in the hospital, as fast as you move, you can stop that clot and break him. Because I was like, no, 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 Lord. He can't preach like this. <laughs> he can't preach with slurred speech. He can't preach with a stroke. And so they moved fast. And then it was like, well, we just think it was. I said, no, 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 no. He was on another medication that you stopped. And so if you stop that medicine, he potentially can have a seizure. Uh, eloquist, get it back on his eloquist. Oh, okay, he's on eloquist. And so we were all moving together. And, and you know, to God be the glory, and I think I told Joan this, I kind of was like a watchdog while I was in that hospital. I was at his bedside, and I just kind of, like, moved. So when in twenty two thousand no, in 1999, I graduated from school, became a registered nurse, and I worked in the surgical ICU, the very same place that he was in. And so I could read the monitors, and it was like... God put me back years later, and it was like, B, I I knew every monitor, the the in uh, the machine, the um the vent. Everything was coming back, and I was like, is this? And when I worked in the units, I complained. I was constantly complaining. Get me out of here! I don't want to do this, God. Find me another place to work. I don't want to work here. Uh, and I was like, God, I just oh, this is just hard work. Working night shift, doing these these vents and, and turning these patients. I don't want to do this. Fast forward, here my husband gets sick, and all that knowledge that I needed at that time was needed then and there to get the nurses. Heart rate's up. I need y'all to come in. They, and they would they would work with me. They never, like, pushed back. They would just, okay, what you think? Showing me the labs. It was like I was a part of the team, and we all was just working together, and God was just filtering stuff. Go tell them to do this. Go get them back on the eloquence. And they moved. And then it was like, Okay. So that's why you did, that's why I couldn't get out that job so many years ago. <laughs> so God knows the end from the beginning. He, right. he knows what he's doing. Yes. And sometimes we complain, complain, complain. That's what I did many years ago. That's what you were doing. And now later on, you'd be like, oh, God, Ed, that's what you were doing, God. So I thank God because he was doing so much to keep him here with us. And honored prayers and, you know, pray. And and in my my testimony and all this I learned how to trust Jesus too. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to I didn't have to like call out the whole bunch of people and and just go to Jesus and say, "Lord, help me with this." And that's where I had to go and just put it at his feet. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to trust you. And that's what you're supposed to do, just trust him. And that's it, to your
0: <laughs> Yeah, because I didn't want a whole bunch of family members knowing and things like that, because family could be the worst. <laughs> uh And when Marsha saying they couldn't close me up, that's one thing I forgot. So I got metal in my chest. Right. So, literally, I got, and they joke at work saying, well, you don't need to wear your vest no more because you're good. (laughs) And it's funny. It does look cool on the x-ray. It's like Iron Man. It does, it literally does. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's it. But, you know, to God be the glory. Thank you all for your prayers. You know, uh, so when I talk about, you know, Christians and church, and I wasn't referring to you all. That's, it's by God's grace that I'm here. Amen. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful for them. Amen. 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 Don't you do you do you take it for granted. Even when I see other people struggling, you know, we just have to love people. We, we, we have to be there for people. We have to encourage them, you know, because sometimes other people, you know, and, and we may not realize we do it sometimes our anxiety can lead to other people when we're talking to people and we got to be on guard against that, right? Because all that's going to do is get the person that's going through anxiety and fear, right? Um, because they're the one that's going through, not you. <laughs> Even if it's, And and it's important because we just, we, we just got to be loving and encouraging the people, right? Save the unsaved. That, that, that's what we're supposed to do. And that, and. We, we do it in love, we do it in humility, and, and that's what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus did, and, and, and like I said, I see all, and, and I didn't say everything per se on how I see things now, but I see a lot of things, a lot of things in a different light because I'll be honest, I used to be where, you know, just trust God, just trust God, right? But I had to learn God's given us medical people for a reason. Right. Because the medical people in the Bible. Right. And and the Old Testament talks about it a few times where God gave specific skill sets to certain people. Right. And he gave skill sets to certain people to be doctors. Right. And yeah. And most of them, like I said, most of them came across just made me feel so comfortable where I felt they cared, Right. I wasn't just. Well, one, (laughs) I felt I was probably a money ticket. But I didn't go there. <laughs> that was my second opinion. So, uh, you know, the first and the third opinion, they, they were golden, right? But, you know, but God's given us discernment, right? So I knew who not to go to in that aspect, right? And, and who to trust.